Hello there, Patriots fans, and welcome to the premiere episode of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. My name is Mark Schofield, and I'm happy to be with you today, Saturday, September 14th, on this new show on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Each Saturday, Radio Rewind will bring you the best of what the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network had to offer over the course of the previous week from all three of our shows. From the flagship Pat's Pulpit Podcast with Rich Hill and Alex Shane to Patriot Nation from Pat Lane and Ryan Spagnoli and the SCO Show with yours truly. In addition, the show will give us a Pat's Pulpit a chance to get you caught up with any last-minute news before the weekend gets rolling. It isn't every weekend that the Patriots will acquire Antonio Brown like last Saturday, but if news breaks late in the week, we'll have it for you here. And we've also got some new music to bring you in and out for this show. What you heard just there is Hope from Hedda Music. You can check them out at Hedda Music. That's H-E-D-A-M-U-S-I-C dot com. Don't forget, these are just snippets of the shows you'll hear every day on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And you can get these by subscribing to Pat's Pulpit via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave reviews for us as well. Five-star reviews always appreciated. And we do have a bit of news before we get to the rewinds this week. First up, it seems that James White might not be active for Sunday's tilt down in South Beach with the Miami Dolphins. He may not make the trip due to the impending birth of his child. Similar situation to Kyle Van Noy last week. And that will be something to monitor as the Patriots travel south on Saturday. Also in player news, the NFL will reportedly not place Antonio Brown on the commissioner's exempt list. Expectations are that Brown will be making the trip to Miami and will be active for the Patriots on Sunday. It was reported that Brown's bag was packed, the number 17 bag in front of his locker, which is supposedly a sign that players will be traveling and making the trip. Now, speaking of the Patriots, New England opened their season in convincing fashion Sunday night with a 33-3 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll kick this show off with a bit from the end of episode 12 of the SCO Show, where I announce the take of the game from the SCO Show Slack channel. Now it's time for the final segment of the night, which is the take of the game. Again, from the Sco Show Slack channel. Yes, I'm trying to incorporate everybody. Look, you want to be part of it. It's fun. It's fun. It is. Got a great community of people over there. So I always try to highlight a great comment or two or insight or something funny. Tonight's was pretty easy. You know, and I think I think the person that has tonight's take of the game had perhaps come up with this line ahead of time was waiting to use it because around 9.44 tonight, Ian McDonald added Antonio Brown to this offense will be like Hannibal signing with Rome. This could be a fun little year. Now, you get a historical reference, you know, a timely little football take, all wrapped up to a nice little take nugget. I'm going to be a big fan of that. And I think people sort of caught on to that. Andy Likens, you're bucking for take of the game, aren't you? Yeah, it's a little historical reference. It's like right up my alley. So that's your sort of take of the game. But in all, hard to be disappointed, hard to be upset with what we saw tonight. Now, looking ahead, we get that dreaded trip to Miami. Now, it seems like there's perhaps some turmoil down in South Beach with the Dolphins losing 59-10 to to the Baltimore Ravens, and it's seeming like players want out of Miami. Seems like that could be a tough situation, tough week. And yes, the Patriots get Antonio Brown this week. This offense looked uncoverable at times. It's like, what are you going to do? And the Patriots, they kind of struggled to run the ball tonight. Imagine if they get the ground game going when you feel like you have to bring a safety down into the box. You can't play cover two over these guys. Sort of like I talked about on the emergency show. 
So, to put an end to this night, which was a very good night, you have to feel great as a New England Patriots fan right now. This team looked crisp at times on the offensive side of the ball. This defense looked like it is as advertised. And they were playing without Kyle Van Noy. You had contributions from a lot of different people. It looks like it's going to be extremely tough to get open against this secondary. And if you were on football Twitter this summer, you probably saw the debates, what matters more, pass rush or coverage? And I waded into that debate with a clip, a quote from Bill Belichick, basically outlining how they have to work in concert. If we're going to see this type of coverage game in and game out, it's going to open up opportunities for the guys up front to get home. You know, they only they sacked Roethlisberger once for no game tonight. They pressured him a couple of times. You had Kyle Van Noy back. There are going to be some opportunities for sacks, for turnovers. Jadrick Wise almost popped one loose down near the goal line. The Steelers were lucky to recover it there. This defense could be extremely good. And this offense could be extremely good. And this team could be extremely good. But it's week one. It's just the first one. Tomorrow is Overreaction Monday, although it's actually almost today is almost Overreaction Monday. There's going to be a lot of people league-wide overreacting to everything we saw today. But it's hard not to be excited about where the New England Patriots are right now. And it looks like if this is the traditional Belichick mold of you play your best football in December, you can only imagine that team's going to look like then. Thank you to Ian for his contribution over at the Sco Show Slack channel. And thank you to all the members of the Sco Show Slack channel. Always great to interact with all of you. Remember, if you'd like to be a part, please hit me up on Twitter at Mark Schofield or via email mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com for an invite. On Tuesday, Rich and Alec dropped episode 153 of the Pat's Pulpit podcast. They dove into the Sunday night win as well as the acquisition of one Antonio Brown. In this segment, they covered whether the 2019 offense could mirror the 2007 offense and outline a best-case scenario for A.B. I don't know. Do you think this has potential to be a, a 07-like offense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the most talented offenses we've ever seen, and they're complemented by one of the best defenses of the Belichick era. That is the recipe for getting the ball back to the offense, getting them as many opportunities as possible to drive down the field and score. And the big question mark I have is with the offensive line, depending on how long Marcus Cannon uh, might be out for with whatever injury he suffered against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but assuming that he'll be back in time for the postseason, this could arguably what be one of the top three offenses of the Belichick era, along with one of the top three defenses we could be seeing one of the best teams in franchise history. Let me ask you this, Rich. I don't want to dwell too much on AB because he's not officially on the roster. Oh, he's, he's probably officially on the roster now, but he hasn't played a game yet, so I don't want to get too deep into the AB weeds. But let me ask you this. If you had to bet right now, will Antonio Brown be on this team come, say, January? Are you taking that bet? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I see this as being a situation where Antonio Brown knows that this is a make-it-or-break-it recovery for him. He wanted to get out of Pittsburgh, and he signed a deal with the Patriots right now that is structured in a similar way to what Darrell Rebus got from New England in 2014, where Rebus was of a similar age on a career trajectory as Antonio Brown. Rebus put in a career year. He had previously signed that two-year contract with New England where that second year was going to be voided because New England was never going to pick it up. 
New England was able to receive a compensatory draft pick for it. Revis cashed in a final amazing contract with the New York Jets. And the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Everyone was happy. I see that happening with Antonio Brown right now, where he recognizes that this is an opportunity for him to really reestablish his value and allow him to hit the open market next year in 2020 in a way that he was unable to do this offseason. And if he can show that he's still that same guy that absolutely dominated with the Pittsburgh Steelers, if he can put in a similar year to what Brandon Cooks did with the Patriots in 2017, if he can come in and say, all right, I made 1,100 yards from scrimmage and 10 touchdowns, once he hits free agency, he's going to get a huge contract, and I think he recognizes that. So I would assume that he's going to be on his best behavior, and he's going to contribute to the team in all the ways that the Patriots hope he will. Fantastic stuff with those gentlemen. And that brings us to the Wednesday show, which was episode 13 of the SCO show. In this installment, I chatted with Bob Soshi and got a chance to ask him what is apparently the question he gets most often. Yeah, it does look to be a fantastic group. Uh, Bob, I'm going to switch gears here as we start to wrap this one up. I requested, I asked for some help from the listeners to the SCO show for some questions that they wanted to ask you. And the overwhelming question that was recommended was, <laughs> what's it like calling a game with Scott Zolak? It's most uh, frequently asked question that I get. I figured. And I always I say, I always say it's, it's become a, I, I, I'm sorry to do this, but it's become a uh, canned response. I bet it is. I bet it it's is. A, it's, exa- it's exactly how you would imagine. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a blast. I mean, Zoe's excitable, and uh, there's a lot to be excited about with the Patriots. Uh, at the same time, he's a great analyst. He sees the game so well, like a quarterback in the NFL should. And in Scott Zolak's case, he was able to play the position for a decade, and he's very insightful. He also has great institutional knowledge, well aware of the Patriots' personnel, their playbook, uh, has the confidence, I think, of a lot of people around the organization, from the head coach to the quarterback to the other players who've been around long enough to know Zoe. And he's got a great personality. Uh, and uh, we have a blast. We've, we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun games to call and great moments to experience. Uh, so it, it's, it's, a, it's, been, it's been a great time. I always tell the story as well that uh, Zoe helped me tremendously before my first words on air before the 2013 preseason opener between the Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. Nervous, uh, you know, certainly daunted by the challenge of trying to succeed or follow at least Gil Santos as a relative unknown in these parts. And uh, before I could say, hi, everyone, and welcome to Lincoln Financial Field, just as the commercial billboard was ending and the Recorded announcer was about to say, now let's go to the stadium to Scott Zolak and Bob Sosi. So turns to me with seconds to spare and says, hey, Bob, don't F this up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I did exactly what you just did. It put me at ease. And then beyond that, I think following Gil and Gino, such a tremendous radio team, working with Zoe, our broadcast is a lot different. And I think that's helped gain us acceptance as well. We, we, we hopefully don't strike anyone as a poor man's uh, imitation, impersonation of the greatest skill. And, right. you know, we, we've got to try to carve our own niche. And, and I think Zoe's style and the substance that goes with it uh, has helped us to do that. I can't thank Bob enough for coming on with me and spending some time with me. Always great to chat with Mr. Bob Sochi, the voice of the Patriots. 
On the other side of this break, we're going to have more from the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network this week. We're going to have some predictions for the game down on Sunday. A member of the Dolphins media contingent and what he went through on Sunday, as well as some stuff from Phil Perry. That's all ahead on Episode 1 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode one of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind to get you caught up with all the great work put out by the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network over the previous week. Now, Thursday brought a pair of shows to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. First up, episode 154 of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the flagship show. Alec and Rich dove into the game against Miami, and at the end of the show, they made their predictions for what we might see Sunday down in South Beach. So many favorable ways. Um, Alec, I think uh, we should go into projections here or predictions. Who do you have winning this game? All right. Well, technically, I'll gladly go, Rich, but you had the, the, the Patriots beating the Steelers 34 to 24. I had it 28 to 17. I think you are closer in terms of Patriots point scored. So I'm going to give you the win for last week. So I will defer to you to go first if you'd like. Okay, awesome. Well, I think this game is also going to Patriots victory in a blowout, but in a low-tempoed blowout. So the Patriots will dominate wire to wire. I don't expect it to be a high-scoring affair, but I expect everyone to be like, yeah, the Dolphins never had a single shot at this one. And so at the end of the day, I would expect New England to win this one, something along the lines of 28-10. to 28-10, to 10, New England for Rich Hill. All right. You know, it's funny, Rich. I still have this weird kind of PTSD about Patriots in Miami in September where I'm not immediately jumping at the chance to pick the Patriots to win this game, even though they looked great on Sunday and the Dolphins looked terrible and the Dolphins are terrible. I just have this weird vision of 2008 Wildcat when everyone thought the Pats were going to win and the Dolphins came in. And But I just can't pick the Dolphins to win this game. There's just no way I could, in good conscience, pick a Dolphins to win this game based on what I saw last week. I think the Patriots will lose, use this opportunity. I think they'll get up a couple of scores, maybe 14, 17 points or so, and they'll use the chance to really work on the run game, work on the blocking schemes, and really use the clock control offense and work on different game plans to, to kind, of, kind of go forward as, as the season wears on. Belichick has had very many times, September is an extension of the preseason. We saw it a little bit against the Steelers, with the passing game. I think we'll do the same thing with the running game. So I agree with you. It won't be like a massively high-scoring game again, but I think the Patriots win this one pretty handily. I see the Dolphins scoring me a garbage-time touchdown, but I'm going to go with 31-17 Patriots this one. All right. Well, that's going to be a high-scoring game. We will have more information and breakdowns on patspulpit.com, and make sure you all tune in. We'll break down this game on Monday, uh, and you'll be able to hear the podcast on Tuesday morning unless you subscribe, at which point it will come out on Monday night. So incentives to listen to it. Alec, do you have any final thoughts as we head into week two of the NFL season? It's really good to be talking about real football games, and I'm very glad that the Patriots did what they did on Sunday because it gives me a lot of confidence, and let's see how number 84 does this week. Oh. Is, will it be 84? It's Ben Watts' number. Is he going to take 84? Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll see what he wears. Maybe it'll be 81. Not sure. Everything is up in the air. Uh, I know that it'll be decided, but who knows what will happen. Anything can happen when you have Antonio Brown on the team. And speaking of those Miami Dolphins, on Thursday, I was joined on episode 14 of the SCO Show by the one and only Mr. Kyle Krabs. He's the lead editor of the Dolphins Wire, the host of the Fin It to Win It podcast, and of course, the senior draft analyst for the Draft Network. Kyle was kind enough to take some time with me, and he was also very candid in his thoughts on Miami's season opener. 
And welcome back to episode 14 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great people at SB Nation and cannot be more excited about our next guest. He is all over your timeline, all over the world of football media. I think I've got all the titles right here. He's a senior draft analyst for the Draft Network. He's the lead editor for the Dolphins Wire. He's the co-host of Draft Dudes with the venerable Joe Marino. And he is, of course, the host of the Fit It to Win It podcast. And he is, as always, grinding the tape on the timeline. He is the one and only Kyle Krabs. My friend, buddy, how you doing? There have been better days in my (laughs) life than this week of the aftermath of Lamar Jackson, which, before we talk about the Dolphins at all, uh, I do want to tip the cat to Lamar Jackson, right? Because there are going to be the naysayers that point to, well, they played the Dolphins, and they're not wrong. They played the Dolphins on Sunday, but Lamar Jackson made throws in that football game that running backs or slot receivers don't make, right? And right. he, I am going to really enjoy watching him grow and develop and blossom into a quarterback. As somebody who uh, I had him just on the fringe in my top thirty-two. Right. For the 2018 NFL Draft, so I, I acknowledge there's some some inherent risk with him and, and some of the inconsistencies with his accuracy, but a really special physical talent, not just as a runner, but as a thrower, too, and you got to see that on Sunday. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about Malar, Lamar a little bit later, but why don't we just go there, because I was impressed... The sort of scramble drill touchdown that he threw where he led his receiver back to the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. Some of the eye manipulation we saw from him looking off safeties, even when there weren't safeties to look off because guys might have been out of position. So I want to ask you this, Kyle. Was his big day a function of his growth as a quarterback, the Dolphins' defense, or perhaps a bit of both? It was definitely both. I think Brian Flores came into the contest and said, well, this is a team that's got speed in the backfield. Uh, They've got... Mark Ingram, who they brought in as a power component to run gap concepts. We are going to dare Lamar Jackson to beat us with his arm. And guess what? He didn't just beat you. He spanked you. He, he, the, and the Dolphins defense refused to make adjustments, which to me was the most stunning part. And you had reporters talking to Minka Fitzpatrick after the game, who was a first round pick in 2018 as well. And he said, you know, re- regardless of, you know, there, there were some times where we weren't necessarily put in the best position, but coach is going to call whatever he wants to call. And we have to execute. And it was kind of like this backhanded comment of we weren't put in the best success, best position to be successful because they decided they wanted to, to occupy the box and inside 10 yards. And they left everybody on islands. And that's the, the beauty of this Ravens offense and what the Ravens did this offseason in, in trying to pick the minds of college coaches that have run these pace and space type offenses and trying to accentuate Lamar's strengths as a passer. And you kind of saw all of that come to fruition where Baltimore's game plan on how they want to improve Lamar as a passer really meshed well with the Dolphins' refusal to try and take away the pass game because they they decided they wanted Lamar to have to beat him, and he beat him every single time they had the ball. With the calendar turning to Friday, the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network brought you episode 42 of Patriot Nation. The week ended with Pat and Spags hosting the center of the one and only Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. The three had a very enjoyable discussion, but this segment about the situation down in Miami is well worth your time and attention. So the, the history is not great. 
Uh, I don't think it's going to matter this weekend. I just feel like the talent level for that Miami side is so bad. It's just so down that the Patriots could probably roll out there with Jared Stidham and be just fine. Uh, I, I feel a little bit for, for Brian Flores and some of the guys on that staff because I know they're incredibly competitive. I know Flores in particular is incredibly competitive. And so to have a game like they had last week when people are already saying, well, you're tanking, when it's really probably the front office that's tanking, not necessarily the coaching staff, uh, that really gnaws at them. And so uh, I think they'll put up a better fight than they did last weekend against the Ravens. But uh, I'm not anticipating that this will be close. Phil, yeah. what do you I'm, – I'm sorry to cut you off, Spags, but what do you think about that? Now, I know obviously maybe, you know, Flores doesn't have as much of a say in that, but – you know, obviously, it looks like they're tanking. They traded away all their good players. They have a million drafts so coming bad up for him. <laughs> yeah, me too. I really but I mean, do. I know he took the job, but like, I feel he the guy's yeah. just so competitive. I mean, you saw him last year. He's all business, and this guy just went into an absolute dumpster fire down there. I know. But what do you think of the strategy, though? I mean, that that's really what I'm curious about because yes, it's it's a mess down there, but like they're building for the future. And I know Houston did the same thing. If you obviously it's baseball and not football, but. You know, Houston did the same thing four or five years ago, and now they're dominant in the in in the base in Major League Baseball. You know, uh, I would say the the strategy is smart. I mean, in, in all honesty, uh, the strategy when you are already a bad team to try to compete right away, to try to rush this building process, not to use the process and overuse the process. I know people down in Miami are already saying we have to trust the process and it's giving me a migraine headache because we're going to hear it all freaking here. But that is the way to do it. I mean, it's really hard to get around it, but you have to be bad enough that you can acquire draft picks, multiple draft picks, multiple high-end draft picks. And if you can get the number one overall draft pick in a year where there are a couple of solid quarterbacks coming out, it looks like uh, the next two years, actually, it looks like there, there are going to be some, some great quarterbacks coming out. If you can play it that way, you could be setting yourself up for a 10-year run. So would you eat it for a year or two to potentially have a competitive team? I'm not saying you're going to be the New England Patriots and, and have a 20-year run, but you might have a shot at at having that or say having seven to eight years as a competitive team and making the playoffs and just being in the mix. Yes, you would do that, especially if you're the Dolphins. They've been looking for a quarterback since Dan Marino. You don't think they could, you know, it sounds bad because you don't want to put fans through that. If you can avoid it, you don't want to put players through that. In my opinion, if you can avoid it, especially players that you think you're going to have around for the long haul. You know, I think that's the one criticism you could have of this strategy is that you look at players like Minka Fitzpatrick or Kenyon Drake, who I think is a really talented back when he's on the field. Um, you know, even maybe Mike Gesicki. You know, just some of these younger players, Christian Wilkins, uh, the, the guy they drafted in the first round, who talent-wise, that might have been a little bit of a reach. But character-wise, that's a pick that people around the league I know thought the world of especially because of the situation they're in. You look at those players, and if you feel like the losing is going to have a, a long-lasting impact on those guys, then, yeah, you can criticize the decision to essentially strip your roster down to AAF caliber right. and, yeah. and try to go about your season that way. 
Uh, but I feel like they've drafted guys they feel like are, are high caliber there this year and last year, even though, uh, you know, last year Flores wasn't there, and that they can withstand it. And they're going to come out of this thing two years from now looking like an incredibly promising team because they were willing to bite the bullet. So I, I think it is smart. I, I would just say this, guys. Look at a team like the Raiders, and I know they won on Monday night, but that was a team that – and it and has been a team that has been pretty mediocre for, for a long time with a, I, in my opinion, mediocre quarterback and a middling to less than that roster. They really made a push between the Antonio Brown uh, trade and signing, the Trent Brown, the exorbitant amount of money they threw at him and how they built this roster. It's like they wanted to try to compete a little too quickly if they were willing to maybe scale back some of the spending and be a little bit smarter about that end of it and drafting and continuing to compile picks instead of trying to compete in 2019 and 2020, then that's another team that I think would have been set up for the longer run, but they tried to rush it. And I don't think the results are going to be as positive as what we see from the Dolphins say in 2021 or 2022. Again, you can get all of these episodes by subscribing to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just make sure to search for Pat's Pulpit Podcast. You'll find it. You'll click on it. You'll hit that subscribe button. And you'll be happier for it. Tell your friends. Tell your loved ones. Strangers on the streets. Cats, dogs, anybody you come across about the shows. And be sure to follow Pat's Pulpit on Twitter, at Pat's Pulpit, so you can keep up with all the spectacular coverage coming your way this season. Until next time, remember that there are no days off for the Patriots, no days off for their coaches, and there are no days off even for the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network.